Welcome everyone, good morning. Welcome to a brand new day, brand new class. Um, first thing I want to do is uh, have an apology, basically. I want to sort of apologize for the past weekend. Um, I, I think some of you already know that I had um, COVID vaccine and I had a bit of a reaction over the weekend and so that kind of precluded me from being able to follow up on things the way I normally would do. So that's why I want to give you guys an apology for that. And starting this week, we'll get things back on track. I know you guys are waiting for the research paper grades to come in. Uh, that wasn't really as possible over the weekend. It wasn't really in the headspace to do that properly. Um, but starting this early this week, early tomorrow, um, I'll get those out as quickly as possible. I don't like it being over a week, but I mean, that's just the way things worked out this time. So. Um, let's just get started with what we're going through today and this week. So as you can see already on your screen, uh, there's a quote, writing is a conversation between you and your audience always. So what we're covering today is the audience profile. We've moved into the second half of the course where now we're focusing more on, on this children's book assignment. Um, and in this children's book assignment, obviously you're creating a children's book geared towards a certain particular audience. Now the unique thing about this situation, of course, is that now you're focusing on a new kind of audience compared to what you've had to focus on before. So as a result of that, you guys have to have a better idea of how to tackle audiences, how to understand audiences, the psychology of it, which maybe you haven't had to deal with before in your writing career. So this will be a bit different for you guys. In order to get you prepared for that, um, I have a, a, a sort of a tactic that I use for myself called the audience profile, and we'll break down what that is. But in order to understand that, you have to first understand that writing is a conversation. It's no different from conversing with your friends or your family. And if you think of writing differently than that, then you're thinking of writing in a wrong way. Um, you always have an audience and you're always writing to an audience. So what you want to think about when you think of your writing is how do you actually converse with real people, different people in your real life? I think one thing you'll notice if you stop and think about that question is that depending on the person you're talking to, you speak very differently. Your cadence will change, your diction will change, um, the speed will change, the kinds of vocabulary you use will change. I imagine, for example, that you speak very differently to me than you would speak to your friends or to your parents. And I imagine that even within your friend group, you speak and discuss different topics differently from one person to the next. There are differences in the way you speak with people, and in that same sense, there are differences in the way you speak in writing. And you speak differently depending on the person and in writing because of the different situations and the different audiences you're writing to. Some audiences expect you to write in a certain way. Some genres expect you to do things differently. And many of you have learned that during the research paper. You learned that some of the things you did in your other kinds of papers didn't really work in the same manner as it did in the research paper because you're writing to a new audience. And so therefore things had to change. Paragraphs had to change. Introductions had to change, etc., etc. So... One of the main ways of tackling writing is realizing that it is not any real different from the way you speak in real life. You change your language, you change your rules every time depending on who you're writing to and who you're talking to. So your audience is always paramount in your writing. It depends on the who. Who am I talking to and how do I break down this person? 
In real life, you probably answer this question sort of inherently. You don't have to think about it. When you speak to a different friend, you know that person's personality. You know what they like, what they don't like. And so without having to work for it, you probably change your language just like that. In writing, the difference between that and real life is that in writing, you kind of have to think about it a bit more, a bit harder than you would in your normal life. But it always depends on the who. So the question then is, how do we understand this who? How do we understand who we're writing to? Especially in this distance format, this is kind of a perfect space for us because in this distance format, we aren't able to meet each other personally. And one of the difficulties students tend to have with writing is that understanding the who can be very sort of disparate. It's very distance based. You don't get to meet this person who you're writing to. So it's very difficult for some people to understand how to break that down. And that's sort of the difference between writing and in real life. But understanding the who is still paramount and still very important. So how do we understand the who? I would argue the way you do it, and one of the ways that I do it, um, is through something called the audience profile. Now what the audience profile is, is a collection of reflective questions meant to properly ascertain the nature of your rhetorical situation and your purpose. So a couple things you think about when, it, when you think about the audience profile are who am I writing to? and how should I write to them? The audience profile, once you get the hang of it, once you get used to it, all it basically is doing is answering these, these essential questions. Who am I writing to and how should I write to them? Because one thing I've kind of mentioned in this class but haven't focused on is that um, despite what you may have heard in other classes, English classes, etc., writing is not necessarily rule-based. I mean, there are obviously rules at its basic level but in reality, in professional reality, and when you're out in the real world, a lot of writing is based off of guidelines, based off of who you're talking to. There are certain things you might do for one audience that you would not do for another. And your writing will be, will be treated differently depending on who you're writing to. You may have already experienced this, of course, because you go from professor to professor. And one professor may like your writing and one professor may not. It doesn't necessarily mean that your writing is confusing or that the, the rules are confusing. It's simply that you've met a new audience that you now have to change yourself to fit to. Um, so it's more guideline based rather than rule based. Who you're writing to is one of the most, if not the most paramount things. And understanding that can help you get succeed in writing situations no matter what kind of situation you get yourself into. Um, and so this helps explain the reasoning behind your writing decisions. Because one of the things you want to do by the time class is over and just Writing is always a process, so you won't understand all of this even at the end of this class. But as you go and go through writing and go through different courses, is you want to be able to get to a position in your writing where every sentence, every paragraph, you're able to explain and have a reasoning for. And understanding your audience can help you have an understanding of your reasoning for why you position things in a certain way, why you use certain words, why your paragraphs are a certain length. You always want to be able to explain the decision-making behind your writing. So an audience profile will help you with, with those things as well. So the first thing you want to think about with an audience profile, and I should have mentioned it before, is what does the audience want? Um, there are three pillars to the audience profile. Those are want, need, and expectations. All of those related to the audience and to yourself. Because in a conversation, there's always between at least two people. And so you have to be able to understand both people within, within, that, um, within that bubble there. So for a want, you have to understand that every audience desires something. Every person you're writing to wants something out of the reading that they're coming to. I mentioned this a bit with the research paper um, for some of you in our one-on-one -on -one meetings. 
But people don't come to writing just as blank slates. People make choices to read something. And when you make a choice, there's a reason for that choice. The reasoning for that choice can be very important for you as writers to know. Because if you know why some, someone went to read something, then you can have an idea of what their desire or what they want from that writing. And then therefore you can play around with that desire and that want. And you can seek to satiate or satisfy that desire of the reader. Because in essence, reading is all about satiating the, the desire of the audience. When you read something, you want to get out of it what you want to get out of it. And if you don't get out of it what you expect, then you can have disappointment. And as a writer, you want to make sure that you distance yourself from any opportunity for disappointment. So you ask yourself, why will this person read what I have written? Right? Why is this person coming to my writing? And in the context of our research paper, I made the argument that the individual is coming to the research paper because this person already has read your title. They are already educated on this topic or else they wouldn't have gone through the process of going into a science journal finding your title, picking it, and reading a long research paper. The kind of person who would do those steps pre-selects for a certain kind of personality and for a certain kind of want and desire. And you have to be able to understand that and at least, at least think about it when you're creating writing, especially once you're outside of the college atmosphere. Because the college atmosphere can kind of warp your idea of writing because the people you're writing to, like myself, it's my job to read your writing. It's my job to finish it. In your normal life outside post-college, it is no longer anyone's job to read your writing. So you really have to focus on making sure people enjoy what you're writing. And you have to be able to do that by being able to meet the demands of the audience. And one of those demands, of course, is the want. So what do they want from my writing? Why did they seek out writing like this, like the writing that I'm writing? And knowing these answers um, to these questions, how do you then accommodate the audience with your rhetorical choices? So once you know what the audience is coming, again, in our example from the research paper, once you know that the audience is coming to because they're educated about your topic and they want to learn more about it, then in your introduction, do you talk about things that are very basic for that audience? No, because again, you already understand that this audience is wanting to be further educated. They've come to your paper because they already know the basic levels. And so you can mess with the way you write your introductions. And this is just a very micro example of a rhetorical choice. You might even change language because this type of person you would expect to be educated. And so you can change your language a bit. So knowing the want is the first battle. Why is this person coming to what I'm coming to? And what does it say about this person that they are coming to my writing? The next pillar is need. Um, so while everyone wants something, most audiences do not have a clear understanding of what they need. So need in the want, need, expectation um, pillars is more focused on yourself. Obviously audience members want something when they come to anything that they're reading. They may want to be educated. They may want to learn something. They may want to have fun. They may want to laugh, um, depending on the situation. And you may understand that want. But you personally, you obviously have your own agency. You obviously have things you want to do. You obviously have a reason for why you've written something. So that your own agency has to matter. Um, and you have to balance the needs of yourself and what you decide the audience needs and what the audience wants. You have to play with those two things. You don't want things to become 
as an as as sort of as an analogy, you don't want things to become sort of popcorn movies that have no substance because the director and the producers are heavily um, based off of satisfying all of the desires of the audience without giving them something that they might need per se, without teaching them something or educating them on something. Everything is based off of the audience wants, and we get those types of films or TV shows compared to shows that are also entertaining but might teach you something about the world and about yourself, it might challenge you. Those are movies that balance things, and typically the things that are more worthwhile, the things that last long culturally, are the things that can balance both the audience wants and what the, what the author needs to teach them. So as an example, which is sort of on, on task for what you guys are about to do, a child reading a science book may want the science book to be fun, as children tend to want everything to be fun. Um, they may want it to have pretty colors, but the purpose of the book, from your perspective, is to educate this child. And so therefore, the need then is to educate, because you need, you want to educate them. So you can think of the need as the authors want as well, but that can be confusing. So need is a better way of thinking about it. It just separates it um, language-wise. Um, and that need to educate then, you may ask yourself, well, how do I accommodate this then? And so if you look at this example of the child and the science book, the child may want to the book to be fun and have pretty colors. You may want to educate them. And so therefore, you already get this battle of ideas. How do I make this book fun, exciting, pretty, but also make it um, an and an sort of an educative process or experience for the child? So you may then figure out sort of problems and solutions based off of that. You may change your language in a certain way. You may add some jokes here or there, but also have moments that are with more clarity. You may use images in certain places, but maybe there are places where you don't use images because you want to focus on the science or the, the important moral argument that you're going to make. This kind of push and pull is what creates your work. And if you think of it like in the research paper, again, um, your audience may have certain desires about your paper, but you may have certain perspectives and things you want to, goals you want to hit. So writing is all about balancing um, wants, needs, and expectations. Um, and I think the want and need sort of dichotomy is a little more clear for, for you guys to just see that like you have certain desires, the audience has certain desires, your writing has to be able to meet both of them and satisfy both of them. And a good writer and a bad writer is a person who's able to sort of handle that psychology and figure out that perfect balance. It isn't about just having the prettiest, best grammar. Um, almost everyone at a college level, especially once you get into master's level, can write a pretty sentence. That isn't what differentiates a good writer from a bad writer. There are very few books written by people who can't put together a sentence, right? But one book isn't popular from the other because of that. One is popular to the other because one author was able to tap into their audience better than the other, and what the audiences uh, would react to better than the other. So that push and pull is very important. You have to understand that and be able to sort of break that down. Um, and this question, again, it can affect your choice of language, genre, tone, design, etc., etc. As you seek to solve this conundrum, you end up figuring out that you may have to play around with your language, genre, tone, all these other rhetorical choices. Um, and you'll see this as you go through the children's book. You'll be balancing yourselves as a group with what you guys want to do and what you guys want to teach these kids. But you'll also go in and learn about what kids actually want and what kids may expect from a children's book. And you may decide, okay, we may want to do this, 
but these kids may may not react to this properly so maybe we want to peel back in certain places and things like that so this sort of balance you'll kind of figure out as you go along and then the last one is the expectation what do they expect this one is very important um, audience audiences might have a predetermined desire um, they might need to be informed of something but most audiences also have an expectation or impression of what they will read or what they will encounter so it's very similar again in writing if you look at the kid analogy the kid may come to a science book the kid may want the science book to be fun the kid may want pretty colors but in the reality the kid may understand from their own history reading science children's books the kid may have their expectation that this book will be boring that the book will have long sentences complicated topics that it, it won't be very interesting and it will not be relatable to the child that expectation also factors into the child's impression of the reading and as a writer you have to be able to understand <clears throat> your audience's expectations as well <clears throat> well the audience may want some stuff but what does the audience actually expect and the expectation has a lot to do with the genre you're writing in because genres are almost entirely about expectations genre is based off of pattern making it's what is people seeing things um, and seeing patterns and things and therefore expecting those patterns to continue um, so you have to understand that breakdown between the difference between what a person wants and what they will expect oftentimes the expectation will have a higher value to your audience than even what their wants are um, so knowing your audience's expectation of your writing or of your chosen genre or topic is another important tool to properly including them in the conversation of your writing because knowing your audience's expectations knowing the genre you're writing in and what typically happens in that genre can help you to either conform to that genre or to break from that genre in order to satisfy your audience so for example if you have a kid but in the genre of science book writing is that it's very dense and complicated and complex with very little pictures the kid may expect the genre to work one way but but you may not want to work within the bounds of that typical genre because you understand that for this audience the rules quote unquote of that genre won't satisfy this audience so you will have to break free of the rules of that genre and that's how we got science children's books because a, a long time ago people began to realize hey if we want to get kids into these books we can't write the way we write to our peers i can't follow the same genre format that i hear that people were doing beforehand i have to break free of this in order to work for this new audience so you'll this is another thing you have to tug and pull at when you're writing a children's book story you may have a certain idea of how science writing should be you'll have to break free of that of that, those genre rules in certain senses and in other senses you may have to conform to them depending on how you guys value the different topics you're going to cover so the audience profile requires balance um, it requires research of genre and person in other words it requires you to understand the genre you're writing in which means it requires you to research the genre you're writing in so this is where the model children's book comes in you need to actually understand what the rules are what do other people who are writing similar things to you what are they doing how many images are they using what are their um, covers look like what, what, what are their stories like how do they balance science writing and 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 uh, fun for kids like how, how does that balance work you have to understand your peers in that sense and then 
research of the person. You have to know who your audience is. So this week you guys will be choosing who your particular audience will be. It'll obviously have to be children of some sort, but there are different kinds of children. It can be female children, it can be boy children, it could be children of 12 through 16. There are different age ranges and each range is a different kind of person. And so you'll want to do a little bit of research into um, whatever age range you pick. What do these people like? What are people within who are around four years old? What are they typically interested in? What typically excites them? And you'll have to learn these things um, and incorporate them into your knowledge base before you can even write. Um, and with the audience profile, you should be able to explain your thought process in your, in your writing, again, as I said earlier. Um, so if you can understand these basic ideas, I think you'll be a, you'll be a lot better off um, in your children's book uh, process because understanding your audience is an extremely important part of the process. So once you can get that down, you can be you'll be pretty much set. And I actually didn't realize that this was blocking this. So let me move this out of the way for you guys now. A little bit too late, um, but better late than never, obviously. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this is sort of the basic idea of this entire process. So. Uh, what I wanted to do next, um, before I even move on here, is I want to shift over to this Word document here, where I can kind of just do a very quick run-through of what this sort of should look like. Let me turn myself on here, um, in practice. This will be really quick. I'm doing this on the fly with you guys now, so it's not pre-recorded, I mean, it's not preset or anything. Um, so, for example, Let's say where I'm writing a children uh, a book myself, right, or uh, an essay or, or whatever. So what I typically like to do um, for students, just to help you guys visualize what this what this can kind of look like. Um, this isn't stuff you have to do normally, but in the earlier portions when you're trying to understand like your audience and break it down, it can be easier for you guys to just see visually um, and have notes about what your audience is, breaking down your audience breaking down what their wants and needs are, especially working as a group. You guys can work collaboratively to figure this stuff out. Um, it, it can give you notes that you can look back on as you're writing your story to see if you can hit these points. So this is the way it looks like. You have the audience profile, and you can think of it kind of like a rubric or an outline for, your, your, for a paper, where you have your A, B, and C, you have your main ideas, and you kind of just order your information in a way that you can, you can come back to and look at. So here we have, um, let's say I'm writing a, uh, writing a story or I'm doing an essay. Um, another thing you want to think about when you're doing a children's book is that you may not have one audience. You may have two audiences. Some things have two different target demographics that, 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 that they're going towards. So in this example, let's say one of my audiences are, I don't know, single fathers, for example. Single working fathers, for example, right? So if my audience is a single working father, and actually I don't want to... Um, make this too confusing so let me just delete the last one right so we just have one audience that I'm focusing on so let's say it's a single working father and what do we know about a single working father so this is the point where you would do a little bit of research about or in asking in, in, in your groups research but also discussing within your groups like what do we all think about our target group what do we think about them what are the things that, that they typically do well if we have a single working father we might have the idea that this person may be busy this person may not have um, a lot of free time, right? So they may have beyond a short budget. They have, they're single, they have, they're a father, they have a child. They're also working, so they're probably working a lot. They have to balance work and meeting their kid, right? So that's one thing you have to think about. 
Um, let's say they're also, um, they have a child as well. So let's say they have a child or something, that we, uh, maybe, maybe things we want to think about, and single. I mean, this is just very basic, um, just for this example. But some, just some ideas of some characteristics we can get just from understanding this, 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 what, who this individual is. So if we go into this idea now with this, a single working father, we ask ourselves, what does, what does this person probably want um, from this? So we have a single working father. They're coming to a book to read. They're going to read a book. What do they want? Well, one thing I can think of off the top of my head is that the single working father probably does not want a long, super long read because maybe they don't have the time for that. So maybe they want something shorter, something a little quicker, a little, a little snippier. Um, they have a child, so maybe they want something that um, targets uh, both demos, both demographics. So something that they can read on their own um, or read with their child. Or maybe, depending on who you are, you may have the argument that maybe this person wants their alone time. So you could also argue that maybe they want something singular, something that um, is personal to them. Uh, a book that's more adult-oriented adult because maybe they want something separate. I mean, you, you may have to make these distinctions and there's no wrong or right answer. You just have to have an idea in your head about who you're writing to, what, what their breakdowns are, and then you want to write to that. And your success or failure, whether you're right or wrong, will be teased out by the success or failure of the thing that you, that you create. But it's important to at least have an understanding and an, an, an awareness of the audience you're going to. Um, so let me leave out C for now, just for this example. I don't want to get too bogged down here as we're just going, as I'm going as we, as we talk here. Um, so what do they need? So this is again, my perspective. So let's say I'm writing a science, a science book or whatever. So I want to educate them on a scientific topic. That's my need. I want them to be educated about this topic. So I want to educate them. Um, what else do I, what else maybe I want to need? I want to, I don't know, I want to have them read uh, from beginning to end, let's say that. I don't know, that isn't very great, but let's just put this here so we can have this discussion. So let's just leave those two there, I I'll leave C out for now, right? So I want to educate them on a scientific topic, I want to have them read from beginning to end. Um, so and then what do they expect? So let's say this individual is... Um, I could have added more demographics. Obviously, if I knew this person personally, it would be a lot easier for you to kind of figure out more and more things you want to list. But let's say this individual is a person who doesn't read science books very often. Maybe they also think that they are a little too heady. So maybe they think it may be um, a bit too complicated or complex, the topics or whatever. Maybe they expect it to be very long because of the kinds of books they typically read. So let's just leave that too, the way we've been doing earlier. Um, so now, this list of the essential things is something we can kind of um, discuss now. Uh, this essential portion here is more of an idea of, after you've listed these types of things here, you want to look at this and, and try and find synergy um, between their wants and these expectations and some of their basic characteristics. You want to find things that are that kind of lead into each other very well. Um, so if we were to say, for example, that this person wants something personal and singular for themselves, something that, that is more adult oriented, then that kind of meshes well with the idea of educating them on a scientific topic, right? Because that is an adult oriented 
subject matter. So that kind of, if you're looking at it like, okay, what things do we kind of take and what things do we, how do we balance out these wants, needs, and expectations, this essential quality list here is where you kind of figure out that balance. Because if you recognize um, and you kind of write down your decision making based off of the balance you, you, want, you want to make. So this person wants something singular and personal, you want to educate them. So you may realize that, okay, the, educa the education portion of this seems to be something that maybe will work because maybe if, if their want kind of lines up with, with your need, then that kind of tells you you have something there that you want to stick to. Um, but maybe there are certain complications there. This individual, um, you want them to write something that's very scientific and very complicated, but they want something that's very short. So you may have to contend with the fact that there may be discrepancies in the needs and the wants of this individual. So if you were gonna write something um, and write this whole paper, you may not have to figure out, okay, how do I balance the idea of wanting to educate them on a scientific topic? Um, and, how to, and how do I balance that with the reality that this person may not want to read something super long? Uh, we can kind of delete the essential part for now, just so that we can just focus in on balancing out these complicated um, portions here. So they want something shorter, but you want to educate them. How do you figure that out? Well, maybe you figure out a new angle of educating them in a way that can be very short, and that may be difficult for you, but you may have to tackle that because that may be something that will lose this individual. Um, the singular personal part of it seems to be something that you wouldn't have to worry about um, because this is a singular personal topic. It's a very educated topic. You won't have to worry about that. Um, their expectations that it may be too complex. So you have to ask yourself, do I want to feed into that expectation? Do I, or do I want to subvert that expectation? Do I want my thing to be a little less complicated for this individual? Um, what do you want to do with that? They also have the expectation that this will be very long, but your conclusion based off of your understanding of this individual is that they will want something shorter. And so you would as a writer think, hey, I'm gonna cross this out. I'm not gonna do this part of it the very long part, I'll break that expectation because this individual obviously won't, they won't be interested um, in, a, in a longer topic and that works for you. I mean, and so this isn't necessarily the best example here, but the whole idea is that you look at your audience in, the, in a breakdown, you look at who your audience is, you write them down, you do a little bit of research or a little bit of discussion as a group, you understand some of their basic qualities, and then you go from want to need to expectation, and you list some of your ideas as a group. You can go on a round table and think to yourselves, what do what do what in my opinion does this kind this kind of a person want? What in my opinion do we need to do, or do we want to do, or do what do I want to do for this project? What do what do I want the conclusion to be? And then as a group again, what do we expect them to think when they come to this? What does this kind of person think of a children's book, right? What do they expect it to look like, right? And then once you have all of these things here, you kind of have the building blocks to begin to think of how you want to construct your children's book, how you want to order things, how many images you want to make, and you want to be able to think about. So this can, this whole idea of the audience profile can really help us get an idea of, of sort of the arguments we want to make in our in our, in our children's in our children's book um, and in our writing in general 
And once you get used to this process, it isn't something you'll ever have to write down. It's something you should just kind of have in the back of your mind. Whenever you're writing something, you should never write anything without first asking, who am I writing to? Because knowing who you're writing to then allows you to break down that, who that audience is, which then allows you to make writing decisions. A lot of you guys, when you did your drafts, would ask questions like, hey, um, what should my introduction look like? Or where should the introduction be? And those don't have concrete answers. The only answer to that question is, who is my audience? What are their wants, needs, and expectations? And in order to answer those three questions, you will have to educate yourself in a way that will give you a clear idea of what your introduction should look like, where it should be, and things like that. You'll have to learn about who you're writing to, you have to learn about the genre, conventions, and once you know some of those things and you begin to balance them against your desires as a writer, that's how you make your choices. Um, so hopefully as you guys kind of practice this, we'll practice this again on Wednesday a bit so you can see it in action, how things can change so drastically depending on who your audience is and what your breakdown of, of that is. And then of course you'll be doing something similar um, in the weekend because this is kind of a an idea that works better in practice than even um, than even sort of in an abstract way, like, like a lecture. Um, so we'll try this out. Typically this works out really well for, 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 for people and um, so that's what we'll be focused on this week. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much what I wanted to go through today. I'll see you guys on Wednesday. And uh, this week we won't have any homework again, individual homework. Uh, we're starting the only group assignments now. So the group assignment is up on our website. The quiz is up on our website. So you guys can deal with those two things. And I'll see you guys on Wednesday. So thanks for stopping by.